Welcome to the Divine Self Secret Garden Podcast. On today's episode, Dr. Brian Russell, and I am your host, Megan Corcoran. Secret Garden Podcast. I hope you are all doing well this week. For those of you that are new to my podcast, you can come find me on YouTube at The Divine Self where I talk everything narcissism and educate you on the cycle of abuse um, and really the signs and red flags of emotional, uh, mental, spiritual, physical, all all forms of abuse um, here on the podcast. I really focus on with guests um, and really talk, do a deep dive on abuse. So yes, come follow me on YouTube or on Facebook and Twitter at the Divine Self. I'm excited about um, our guest today. I have Dr. Brian Russell uh, joining me in the garden. Dr. Russell is an author, professor of biblical studies, podcaster, and a transformational coach for spiritually minded professionals and pastors. His personal mission is to seek out, study, and embody the deepest truths about God so he can share them compellingly and lovingly with others. He is the author of the forthcoming Centering Prayer How Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can Change Your Life. And I put all of the links below to Dr. Brian Russell. Welcome to the garden today, Dr. Brian Russell. All right. Welcome to the secret garden, Dr. Brian Russell. How are you today? I'm doing great, Megan. And thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm really grateful to be here. I am excited to have you. I was um, watching some of your YouTube videos and just reading about your coaching services. And um, I really like that you incorporate spirituality into your work. Um, I find that my listeners and the journey that we take when we're either in toxic relationships or breaking free of toxic relationships, it is a very spiritual journey and it is a very hard journey. I would say probably one of the hardest journeys, I think of someone's life. It really rattles, uh, rattles your world and your life and, and turns your life upside down. And, um, I believe that, you know, these, these narcissists or these toxic abusers come in to maybe shine a light on that side of you that maybe you're not connected with. What do you think about that? No, no, I think that's right. I mean, it's, 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 uh, um, being in really difficult relationships, uh, it actually sucks your own energy, right? And then you slowly lose yourself. And, you know, the the, the breaking free is going to be a spiritual experience um, precisely because um, breaking free is you're going to, it creates all this extra space and you have to fill it with something. And so the, you know, the challenge is if you're going to be truly free is filling it with something much bigger than your prior life, which just got really small based on the the struggles you had, your relational issues, and then the guilt and the shame and the fear that go with that. It just makes you really small. So it's going to be a profoundly kind of spiritual awakening to actually grow into the person that uh, you are in and of yourself. Absolutely. I, um, I found when I left my relationship 
the, first of all, the relationship is so toxic and I feel like you're on this roller coaster, right? And then you get off the roller coaster and you're kind of dizzy and you're so used to being on this like ups and downs and ups and downs that you're just like, now you're just standing and it's kind of like, what do I do? What do I do now? Right. And you, and you, you know, you don't want to get back on the roller coaster, but you're so used to having these highs and lows and, um, and it's, it's, it's a very intense journey at when you learn to stand alone and stand in your power and you're right. And to fill your life up that big without having to have these toxic cycles and these, and these highs and lows. I found that I don't like highs and lows anymore. I kind of like more of a calm life and just life in general, right. Tends to be high and low at times and work and families and events. And so have, you know, not having the toxic cycle is, is super healthy, but um, it's a really hard cycle to break. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it is, it's so interesting. And one of the, one of the places of, of just healing ends up being, um, yeah, is you get the power then to decide, like, you know, I remember in my own life, um, when I just suddenly found myself, um, uh, single and divorced and it, and it was a difficult relationship. Um, it was, um, wow. I have to take 100% responsibility now for, um, who I'm going to become because I can't, uh, you know, at some level, um, I can't blame my relationship. I can't even blame the toxicity because it's all gone. Now I'm free at some level, but I got to put myself back together. So now I have to answer the hard question, which you kind of alluded to, which is okay. I'm out of this. I'm off the roller coaster, but, uh, um, you know, what road am I going to go on now that it's all up to me essentially. Right. And so I know like for myself, I just kind of opened myself up to this growth phase by saying, all right, on the other end of this, um, I would love to be in a super healthy relationship. Um, and th the good news from, from, from my own perspective is I, as I found that I've been really blessed in my, in my, in my second marriage, but, um, back in, even in the darkest days, I thought, okay, I got to get through this, be free. And I want to be, um, better, not bitter. Uh, I didn't want to be this guy that was just angry with women just because I happened to be in the wrong relationship with one individual. So I wanted, so I, I had to open myself up essentially to, to, to complete, uh, to complete healing and, and say, Hey, you know, I have to own everything. And so, you know, what was it about me that got into this thing in the first place? And how do I make sure I don't simply just create a pattern that I end up attracting the exact same person that I say that I don't want and just play, get on the roller coaster all over again. It's with just, it just, a different, uh, you know, different colored roller coaster this time than it was the first time, but it's still the same roller coaster. That's key. I find so many people that I talk to and coach, um, I think they're afraid to do the work when they leave and they, or they wait until they've met somebody in their relationship and they jump right into the next relationship because the work is really, I don't even want to say the word scary. It's not scary. It's hard. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's uncomfortable is the, is the word you have to sit in yourself and really do a lot of self-exploration, which I re I realize now a lot of people are really afraid to do. Yeah. There's a, there's a quotation that I, that I really like because, uh, you know, the thing that's helped me it, uh, and uh, is, was silence and solitude practices that, that come out of essentially um, 
Christian spirituality, though you find similar things in, in different religions. Um, but uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, who had who's a, who was a philosopher from the 19th century, and, and he wasn't he was actually a, um, a pretty hardened atheist. He's the person. If the listeners never heard his name, he's the one that talked about God being dead and, and that we the Europeans had basically killed him. But he has this great quotation that I really like. He says he wrote, um, "When we're alone and quiet." We're afraid that something will be whispered in our ear, and so we hate the silence and drug ourselves with social life. And and I like that quotation because it's like what you just said. Um, doing the work, um, it takes real courage because you learn stuff about yourself that um, you learn beautiful things about yourself. I got to say that for sure, Megan. You know, um, but you also find you get to counter your own shadow the rough edges, um, maybe the parts of yourself that somehow liked being in the bad relationship that somehow served you. And, you know, and then that's just, and it's just brutal to have to face that stuff, but facing them and not repressing those things anymore just opens you up for true abundance and to be, you know, be the person, um, you know, that I would say God created us to be the persons that are worthy of love unconditionally apart from anything we do or say, we just are worthy of love. That's our core identity. And, but that's, you have to get through the, all. you got to get through a fog bank to get to that place. Yeah. I find that, you know, we stay in these relationships, I think a lot, and I want your opinion on this, but a lot because of shame and -hmm. it's really our own shame with ourselves. And yes, the, the abuser is very good at shaming you and they know that you have a lot of shame, And so I found that when I finally got honest with myself and I sat down and I sat in silence, I had to face my shame. And it was, it was so painful that I actually physically got ill and like threw up and cried and was like, wow, this is so, but once I, once I realized that I was the hardest on myself and it was my shame and really nobody else's. And once I dealt with it, I was like, wow, I don't, I, and it's really hard for people to shame me now because I don't carry a lot of shame. I'm like, yeah, we all make mistakes. We all are not perfect. And I've accepted that within myself. And I'm very open to own anything that I do in life or, or my, my part in life and not, and not carry that shame around. And I find that that just set me so free, but it was really hard to face. No, it it is. And I mean, I can I actually, just when you were saying that, I kind of just, I just feel it inside my body. Cause it's like, yeah, I've, I've absolutely been there of, um, of, of the shame and, um, you know, it's that um, I talk about what I call it. I call it the unholy trinity, um, and it's fear, guilt, and shame. <clears throat> and that's essentially those those three forces. And everybody struggles with them in some way. Um, probably, you know, one probably one of those goes with more. But the shame part is is just that feeling that I'm not good enough, and that's one of the things that can keep us in really difficult, toxic relationships too. And that gets reinforced through the through the to the uh, patterns and the abuse cycles, you just get this, um, you get, then you get a tape. Okay. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve better. Um, I'm just no good. And, and one of the most powerful things that you can do is just, um, um, you know, one of, one of my favorite uh, little prayers, this comes from, um, um, I think, I think she was a um, Roman Catholic um, named Macrina Veter care. I heard it through a, a pastor friend of mine, but the, uh, the prayers are really powerful. And it's, uh, it says, Lord, help me believe the truth about myself, no matter how beautiful it is. Right. And, and that little last piece is the twist because you're thinking, oh, Lord, help me believe the truth about myself when we're ready for the hammer to drop. But then it's how beautiful it is. Right. And that's the complete reverse of shame. And so um, one of the ways to counteract that, I mean, like I do a lot of journaling, is just make yourself write out what's really inside your head. 
we can see this during meditation or, or centering prayer, which is the form of meditation that I do. You'll, you'll confront stuff, but then just own it and get it out there and then ask, you know, help me believe the truth about myself, no matter how beautiful it is, which gets your brain looking for something else. Uh, and another quotation that I really like comes from um, this another 20, this is a 20, a 20th century um, writer named Paul Tillich, um, T-I-L-L-I-C-H. Um, he was, um, he was a, a theologian, but he was um, in that phase, the, he was very into psychotherapy and philosophy. So it's just a very learned person that, um, um, and, and he has a quotation about what grace is. And it's one of my favorites. He says that grace is the experience of of of, recogni- of of experiencing that you're unconditionally accepted. So it's accepting the fact that you're unconditionally accepted. And, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, Megan, but when, if you can have a moment where like, wow, um, I'm clean, I'm accepted, I'm worthy. That's possibly the most powerful moment that you can ever have in your life. And again, you can slide back into shame sometimes, but if you just get a couple of those moments that's like a hand coming down when you're in the darkness and pulling you out. And, you know, and that's um, for me, my own story, which, you know, I talk, I'll talk about in the book that's coming out in later in 2021 um, on centering prayer. It's like, I had that experience sitting in silence and I've had that experience journaling. And it's like, those are, doesn't happen every time, but those have been like life giving almost oxygen granting moments where it's like, okay, I'm going to get through this. And um, again, I'm going to be better. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm going to be super helpful and I'm going to be able to share this, um, you know, this good news with other people too. That makes the hairs on my arms stand up. I, um, you know, one of the reasons why I call this show the secret garden was because I sat in silence, I was able to go in and kind of understand the the shadow side of me and the things Mm -hmm. that didn't work. And I call it plucking the weeds that no longer serve you, but planting, you know, new, new things. So your beautiful garden can grow and you can blossom into this, beautiful person that you've always been the soil is there right it's 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 it's, and and you know really i love that that grace um yeah i think it's connecting to your grace and really self self love and your divine or yours you know and that's where this becomes a very spiritual journey because it's between you and you or you and god or you and whatever you believe in right it's and it's not about the abuser and when i talk to people that a coach, they're so focused on their abuser. And I'm like, the whole goal of this is for you to turn around and to make this about you and to focus on you. And once you can master that, that's when you'll be able to get the strength to start to be able to leave this relationship or to heal from this relationship. No, that, that, that's, um, that, that is, that's, that's, that's so true. We all have incredible resources and, nobody has to be stuck in in an abusive context and again it, it is ironic that literally sometimes at some level sitting in silence is uh, a powerful tool and almost an antidote to um that fills our deepest needs rather than, um, you know, let's, let's us stay stuck. Cause a lot of times we think we just got to be doing busy work and stuff. But, um, the, um, you know, I, I believe, you know, I believe it's God, it's a high, it's calling us out, um, in this and, and, you know, people have different conceptions about what the divine is and such, but it's in the silence, you actually cut through layers. Cause sometimes we can build up beliefs, spiritual beliefs that actually keep us stuck in the abusive relationships. Right. Um, silence and solitude, you, you get to, uh, at some level, it sort of deconstructs 
even what you think God is like, if you believe in God or, um, and shows you a bigger picture of really what I would say is pure love. Um, cause you know, that's when I, when I think about God, I, I, I think God is, uh, is love and the key spiritual journey is simply getting out of our own way, opening ourselves up to that love. And if we recognize that we're fully accepted, fully loved, then that actually casts the whole abusive relationship into a totally new context. Cause you're thinking like, what, why is this happening? And why am I even tolerating this? Because I am loved and I don't need whatever little scraps I'm getting in this, from this other person in my life. And in fact, I, I that greatest act of love then is to put some boundaries up and protect myself so I can um, expand in love. That's the other thing. I think the journey for our lives is, is um, it's not just accepting the love that's there. It's actually, because to me, love is infinite. It's like going to the ocean, right? Most of us never even just, we, we sit on the beach and stare at the water or maybe just dip our toes in. But this love that exists is inviting us to go as deep into the water as we possibly can. And so, you know, this healing journey is actually just, um, we, we, we get more love and there's no way to exhaust that. And the ir- irony is being stuck in toxic relationships is you're getting like scraps when God wants to give you the, I mean, a feast, right? I mean, the, yep. and, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I say all the time to, to my listeners that, uh, you know, if you stay in these these toxic relationships, like it almost becomes a matter of of life and death. And it it was for me, it just you you get so like so little scrap every couple of days, right? That you just start to wither away because you're not connected to that love. Um, but it's always there. And I, I know, and people listening, especially right now, I found that during the pandemic, they say domestic violence was on on the rise. But I just believe it, a light was shown on you know, they didn't have anywhere to go, these, these domestic violence survivors. So um, it's now being talked about, but I'm like, you know, it's, it's there, it's within you. And it's, it's about finding that connection. And that's where your true power is. Your true power is really staying in that love, loving vibration or, or connecting to your divine and always knowing that that is there to support you. And it will get you out of any situation if you can connect to it. No, I, I, I completely agree. And so, you know, for me, that's, you know, one of the reasons I wrote the, my book and, and again, the title is going to be centering prayer, how sitting quietly in God's presence can change your life, which is kind of a, it's fun. It's a fun title. That, that was the, the publisher wanted to call it that. I wanted to call it um, centering prayer and the journey to love, which is because I tell a story in there. I tell my own story about um, betrayal and um, finding myself um, divorced, a single parent, I mean, just terrified about what was going to happen. And then, you know, it's been over a decade now and, you know, I kind of look back and that's the the power of these stories is you, you know, when you're in the moment, you don't know what's going to happen and you're just scared, you feel shame and guilt, but you can look back. But um, I just noticed, um, and and I'd want to share this with, with listeners is, um, especially if you're stuck right now, it's like sometimes you can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Um, You look up in the sky and you see stormy clouds all the time, but there's beautiful blue sky on the other side of those clouds. And if we open ourselves up to growth, um, life is going to expand and it can be, uh, it can actually be really beautiful. It doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect and I'm not going to pretend like my life is perfect now, but um, substantially bigger, better and um 
and I, I live most of my life feeling completely loved. I mean, that's true in my new, my, 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 my second marriage. Um, but it's also true in some levels of my relationship with, with God, with the divine, which I can't say that was always true. Cause I always used to wake up. I grew up feeling really guilty all the time, but that's been freeing by essentially this um, meditation practice I've been doing for years and the intentional journaling. And that's just healed me. Um, uh, once I, was out of my previous relationship. That's, um, I love, I love that you, you did it through meditation. Cause I, I did as well. I mean, I did therapy and everything, but I found that the meditation was, was key. Tell us a little bit about what is your meditation practice look like? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and, you know, and I'm a, and I'm a Christian and again, and so I'm not going to, you know, and I'm going to share what my practice is. It's, it's called centering prayer. Um, some folks have called it contemplative prayer, but it was basically, um, it goes all the way back into the early church where, um, where the monastic movements came out where um, men and women used to go out into the desert to be by themselves. And, uh, it's essentially, um, centering prayer, it's similar to mindfulness-based um, meditation like you would see in, say, Buddhism. With The, the only difference really is um, centering prayer. I, I sit for 20 minutes. Um, I close my eyes. And uh, the whole idea is, is that I'm going to sit with God. Um, you know, in my case, sit, sit with, um, with Jesus, the, the Christian God. And so um, the, the whole method is I sit in silence. Um, and when you recognize that you're thinking, which is most of the time, <laughs> um, the centering prayer technique is you use a prayer word and you don't have to say it out loud, but like, you know, I usually say Jesus, other people could say love or God or peace or, uh, but you just pick a short word and it's not a mantra. So you're not saying it repeatedly, but essentially you use the prayer word whenever you find yourself lost in a, a thought. Um, you know, like if you've done mindfulness, you usually focus on the breath going in and out of your nose. That's like, that's your anchor point. But with centering prayer, it's you're, you're sitting with God. And so you use like a prayer word to just break up your thoughts. And the, the easy way to think about, uh, the process with, with thoughts is, 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 um, what, uh, teachers call the four R's it's, um, um, react to no thought. So whatever comes into your head and, you know, you've, been a meditator, Megan. So you know that sometimes it's just like, is this ever going to end? Um, but sometimes you get like really disturbing thoughts, right? Like I noticed the healing in my life was issues of anger. I would just get flashes in my mind of somebody that had done me wrong in the past, whether it was, you know, um, my previous relationship or this other pieces. And, you, and then, then it's like, but then you use the prayer word to break that up or, um, uh, you can have, um, wow, you know, like I'm, I'm really hungry thought and like, break out of it that way. So you just react to no thought, regardless of what it is. Um, you don't retain a thought. So when you realize you're in a thought loop, again, which is most of the time, and you know, it could be a split second, you realize it, it may be multiple seconds, you know, you go to the prayer word. So uh, react to no thought, uh, retain, retain no thought, and then gently uh, return uh, to the, the sacred word. Um, is and use your prayer word to, um, to um, get that and also resist. That's the one I missed. So it's react, resist, retain, return would be the four R's. And the whole idea is um, whatever comes into your head, you just 
release it with a prayer word. And the way that that works healing and this, um, and, and if folks have never done this, it's not easy because it just feels like it lasts forever sometimes, especially if you're a person like me, I'm a thinker. I was, you know, I, I'm a professor by trade, read, think all the time. And I'm really good at catastrophizing me. And so like, I can, yeah. you know, I can see a little bit of smoke coming up and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a forest fire. And you know, it might just, <laughs> might just be a match that somebody lit or whatever, but I can see the whole thing. And so what the, the centering prayer really did for me was force me to recognize that I'm not the thoughts that run through my head and that in fact um, the thoughts that may show up might just be signals to the deep pain that I feel on the inside. And so that by um, the, the, the key piece again with that whole four R's is the gently return. So I'm not like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I was thinking that it's like, well, I'm not going to react. I'm going to be grateful for whatever comes in my head, but I'm going to still return back to God. And that to me, that's some, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing over time that heals you because you're not repressing junk in yourself. You're letting it go. Um, and again, you can do the same thing like with a journaling practice, but that's, that's basically my meditation practice. I don't know if that was clear, uh, Megan or not, uh, but that, that would be the centering prayer practice. And, you know, I, I wear a Fitbit, so I just, set it for 20 minutes. And after 20 minutes, it vibrates. And then I just, you know, take a couple more deep breaths. Maybe I say a little regular prayer and then, you know, and then I break, then I'm, I'm ready for, um, you know, the next day, but that helps me to be centered. And over time, I've just noticed, um, I'm able to show up. Um, you know, I do coaching too, and it's, it's made me a better coach. I don't think I'd even be a coach if I wouldn't have um, learned how to meditate just because I'm able to show up, you know, carefully listen to the person, hold space. That's helped me in my, my marriage. It's helped me in my relationship with my kids. It's helped me at work. It's helped me when you're in a crazy business meeting and people are, are like even attacking you and you just like, I just kind of go into meditation mode and chill out and, you know, and, and let the thoughts go of like, wow, I'm being attacked. I'm like, just let the thoughts go. And so um, I found it just to be, um, uh, well, transformational. I mean, that's, that's why I wanted to come on the show and share it with folks. Cause I mean, lo- it's, again, it's a long-term deal. You got to commit to this. This isn't going to happen in a week or probably even a month, but you start doing it. Your life's going to change. I love that. I never really used a prayer word. I always listen to kind of white noise and just go back mm. to the white noise and try yeah. to just let the thoughts go. But I find that I'm like you, I think about everything. It's so funny. I was talking to someone yesterday and I was like, what do you think? And they're like, nothing. And I'm like, how do you think nothing? I never in my whole life have thought nothing. My mind is always like, you know, going at a hundred miles an hour. But, um, but I love that, that you go, just go back to the word because it helps you release it that mm-hmm. and, and not judge it and not, not let it stay in that vibration either. Cause sometimes these, you know, I think for me, especially, I mean, I think I've moved past the anger, mm-hmm. but the anger would come up. And then even though mm-hmm. I thought I had let it go, I would find that I would be angry throughout my day and that I had started it in my meditation because I didn't truly let it go in the meditation and that I activated, I yeah. activated the anger. Right. And, um, and I think it's just cause anger in my life is something that's been so suppressed. You know, mm-hmm. no one's allowed to be angry. You can cry, you can be depressed. People would prefer you to be depressed than to be angry. Yeah. So you tend to push the anger down, but then there's just moments where there, you can no longer push that down. And so it does come up in, in meditation. And I find that if I don't truly let it go in the meditation, I'll carry that with me throughout the day and I can get just irritable. No, I mean that that and that, that's that's such a great observation, uh, you know, right there, and and um, and it is um, 
it is amazing because um, what you basically just get confronted with your thoughts and the stuff is on the inside and it just um, it's in a sense um, the the return piece it's it's like a way of just you're basically just surrendering the whole process is I'm going to surrender whatever comes up and again like I would say we're surrendering those things to God but to me the healing piece of this. Um, and this, this will, this will become out of my, my kind of my Christian experience. And again, I'm not trying to evangelize anybody, but just the, the way I, way I process what happens is like, you know, like I'm sitting there, um, doing my, you know, meditation, I'm supposed to be sitting with, uh, with God and we know God loves everybody and stuff. And, and I'm sitting there and all I'm doing is thinking about how mad I am at somebody for doing me wrong. Right. And and then I'm like, well, this is ironic. I'm supposed to be sitting here with, uh, with God and all I am is mad. But then you're like, well, wait a second. Um, I'm sitting here with God and, apparently God's not mad at me and I'm not getting nuked for having this thought that I'm having right now. And in fact, it seems like God's actually accepting that. So I'm just going to surrender that. And then I think the beautiful thing is um, you can just own how you feel and accept yourself and be kind to yourself and recognize, you know what, I'm a human being um, and I'm going to have thoughts that are disturbing and, you know, not the best version of myself, but I don't have to be, I don't have to run and go, go back to the word that we started with. I don't, I don't have to be ashamed that something's wrong with me because I'm sitting here in the presence of pure love and that love isn't rejecting me. And instead of that love is just inviting me to, you know, say my sacred word and just hand that off to the one that loves me. And I, I just find that um, to me that, that that's, that's where the healing comes from. Absolutely. It's, and I love that you, you said that that changes everything in your life. I think about, you know, going to work and the day gets busy, right. And there's meetings and people are asking you to do things and, and having to no reaction and listening and letting it go. And then reacting from a place higher than where you are receiving, right. The, the information. Cause I find that so many people react and it's like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. Like, hear that and then react, you know, and, but um, I find that we just, we react at the same place. We heard something versus letting it sit in for a minute and then having the reaction that we really truly want to have or a better reaction that was better for you or for your job or whatever it may be where you're having this reaction. And and you just get this little, I mean, over time you get these little gaps. And so like, if you know, like, let's just say we were having a really difficult conversation and you said something that kind of zinged me and I'm like, oh, and, you know, the, the, the fact that I've been holding this space for such a long time, it's like, instead of just like, well, geez, Megan, I can't believe you said that. It's like, Hmm, I can just give it a little, Hmm. And I can just take it in and not take it personal anymore. Cause it's just a thought that kind of floats by. And then it gives you the ability then to be a person of peace Cause you know, maybe you didn't mean what you said. Well, maybe you did mean, but it doesn't mean I have to like take it personal anymore. And so I can just um, be curious and like, well, is that true in any way? Um, you know, what's the most loving response I can make now that's going to deescalate that there's all kinds of um, benefits that go that you'll see long-term in relationships with just being able to get that space. So when something hits your mind, um, you, you can, you can see it before you react to it. And I think that's what like a centering prayer practice or, you know, most meditation practices do. It just gives you split seconds before, you know, you hit the accelerator on something. Is that, is that what you found for yourself too? It's really amazing. And I find that being in these toxic relationships, we're very good at reacting very quickly, right? They, they train you 
to react. And we call, I do a, I have a YouTube channel about narcissistic abuse and we, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole underground world of us survivors and coaches out there, but we call it going gray rock, meaning, you know, when the narcissist is, is, is coming at you, you just don't have any reaction at all. And I found that that is the ultimate, like, if you can do that and you don't have the reaction, um, you know, that's where you'll begin to start to take this journey. Yeah. And if you do react, you react from a different place than, than because you're so good and so used to, like I said, being on the roller coaster and these highs and lows, and they're good to, they, they push the right buttons to get the reaction out of you that they want to get. And to not have the reaction is, is key. No, that's such a powerful insight and a thought. And, you know, and, and, and again, and you're, you're talking about narcissism and all the toxicity stuff. I mean, the, the, the irony is in some ways the, the way to slowly, again, if it's a severe situation, you just got to get away. But in, like, in, like maybe in a friendship, you have a friend that's narcissistic or they seem like they're gaslighting you in some way to control you. The greatest reaction is like no reaction. Then you just get really, they get bored. And in some way that it actually helps you to get the, get the space by doing exactly what, um, what you, what, what you said. And it's kind of like you get, um, um, you know, like the, the U S military, well, actually almost every military now has those jets that radar can't see them. So they're kind of invisible to radar. And that's if, if that, that non-reaction is like, we have this, um, radar proof body now. So it's just the, per, the stuff, the energy comes our way, but it doesn't actually go into us anymore. It just sort of deflects around us. And that's, uh, that's really boring if a person is a toxic person and they enjoy the responses of their victims to not have any and not even have a response. I love that image that you used. Yeah. And, and I think the thing to remember too, is the narcissist is only trying to get a reaction from you because they themselves cannot do this. Yeah. They, they, they really struggle with sitting in silence and having to connect with themselves and, or actually that's a good question. What do you think of that? There's so much debate on, can the narcissist change and find this connection within themselves? Yeah, that, that, that actually is, that, that is an interesting question. You know, um, I would answer it in two ways. I mean, I think theoretically, um, and this, this will be the Christian side of myself. I, I, I don't, I don't think anybody is beyond God's grace that, and so, so I, I do think that, um, you know, grace is, is, is the most powerful force that exists. So I can't imagine, um, anybody can be that far away that they couldn't now, but the, 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 the deeper question is you don't, you wouldn't want to make that a false hope for yourself and your relationship that I got to hang in here because this person's going to change. So at some level um, you may be doing by actually getting out of the relationship, you could be doing that person a favor because maybe they have a big enough crisis that that isn't the goal, by the way. We have to take care of ourselves. I have to say it first. Yes. You gotta, you know, you, so don't. I'm not s- suggesting, it, but but could that could, could the person at some level change? Sure, but again, that doesn't mean that you have instant reconciliation from our side on those things either. I you know I you know I frankly hope that people change, especially the people that are if they've abused me, they're liable to abuse somebody else, and I don't want that that to happen, right? So I really do hope there's the hope of change, but um, so theoretically, yes. Uh, but they're going to have to open themselves up to it. And, and, you know, and depending on the levels of narcissism or borderline personality disorder, some of these other types of really, um, really toxic pieces. And, you know, and, you know, probably from your work, most people that fall into those categories, something horrible happened to them at some point. Right. 
um, which that, and that's where the, if you can have compassion, um, it's, you know, like, geez, cause nobody wakes up and it's like, I'm going to just hurt other people. They've usually been hurt in some level. It's almost unconscious. And again, not justifying anybody's behavior by what I say that, but, um, you would hope that the, a person would find a place where they could open themselves up. But, um, you know, that's not the, the goal, the goal for us to want to survive and ultimately prevail is we have to open ourselves up to what you know to grace to healing do the hard work to insulate ourselves so we don't instantly again just attract the exact same person back into our life and then find ourselves in this loop or like wow i just get one toxic relationship after another so i don't know if i answered your question or if you want to push back on anything that i said and hopefully I, that was clear and i wasn't uh, justifying that uh, person should stay with someone out of hope no, I'm glad you said that because I, I believe the same thing. I believe we are all born pure and that something happened to them as well as happened to you, yes. right? And this is a, a cycle and a pattern that is repeating in your life, right? And and chances are you might have even experienced the same trauma or within a family, right? And one of them became the narcissist and the other became the caregiver or the scapegoat or whatever. And so, and that narcissist learned that they don't want to be the scapegoat or they, or they saw the scapegoat being abused and they learned that by dominating and being powerful that they, they can get what they want. Um, but having to actually feel their, their, their shame and their guilt and, and let go of their fear and to actually connect with themselves, that is way too scary because there's a chance that they could then turn into, you know, the scapegoat that they've watched being abused. That's what's really what I've come to the conclusion in and just looking at my life patterns and my family dynamics that, you know, we have the narcissist and we have the scapegoat and then we have everybody else around that, that enables the narcissist. And as long as there's enablers out there, the narcissist will never change because they don't have to, as long as they have someone that they can abuse and that they can belittle that makes them feel powerful. Um, there, there's no motivation for them to change. Right. And so that's, and I, I feel like their world has to come crashing down, but it's really, really hard for their world to come crashing down. No, yeah, no, that that's right. And, and, you know, and we have to, again, have compassion at some level. Cause I think that's part of being human and part of growing in life is you can learn at some point to have real compassion for even the person that hurt you. But that doesn't mean that's our responsibility to go try to save that person. We can trust. I mean, if you're a person of prayer, you can pray that the right person runs into that person's life, but it doesn't necessarily have to, to, um, uh, to, to be you. And, you know, and you raised another thing, I mean, even for us, as we try to make a bounce back from being in a toxic relationship, I think one of the hardest things, and this is where I think the silence and solitude can help again is, um, you know, like for me, I had to learn like, okay, Brian, you know, this is all on you now. You can't even say, Hey, I was held back. So I was in this toxic relationship because I'm not in it anymore. So it's like, what do you really want? And I have to say for a long time, that was a super hard question for me because it's easy. It was easy for me to just, okay, I'm going to fill my life with busyness. I mean, I went through a divorce. So I had to figure like, I need to make money because I got to pay for it. It was very costly and financially painful and stuff. And then I'm raising my kids by myself. So I was able to, at some level, just fill my life with busyness. Now, thank goodness, I also fill my life with the meditation, um, other spiritual practices and decided to work on myself. But the, the thing that I had to learn and I still am. And so I don't want anybody to think that I got this is that, and, and this is kind of the growing edge of my life right now, even with, uh, with my spiritual practices is this, am, am I willing 
to receive all the abundance that God really has for me in my life? And am I willing to enjoy getting it, not feel guilty that I have it, not feel somehow even shame that I have stuff, but am I willing to actually bring all the abundance that this life has to offer into my life and feel good most of the time? I mean, to me, that's my, that's my growing edge right now. And again, I'm 10 years down the road and it's just, it's just been really interesting watching myself because it's easy for us to fall. I'll speak for myself. It's easy for me to fall back into my own kind of enabling patterns, my people pleasing patterns, my uh, being super hyper vigilant about anything I say that, wow, did I just offend that person? Wow, it's, if, if there's any conflict, oh, it must be my fault because it couldn't possibly be the other person's fault. But I've just noticed all that's been slowly unpacking. And that's, um, and you know, it's not fun to even get on a podcast and admit that after all these years, but it's, um, it's, but that's, that's the growing edge is to continue to open ourselves up to all the abundance that, that God has. And then, become a vessel for that. I mean, you know, you're, you coach. And so, it, you know, at some level you've used the pain in your own life to be, you know, like a wounded healer or whatever expression you have, you've have a, you have this compelling story and now you're, you're a guide. And, you know, and that's, that's why I wrote the book. I wrote it. I didn't do it like a year after I learned about Serene Prayer. It's by 10 years, the coaching I've been doing, I've been coached for a couple years now, but I didn't suddenly jump into that. It was just more of like, I've did enough work on myself that, I would just share things and people like, Hey, how did you do that? And I'm like, wow, these awful experiences that I had that I wouldn't want anybody else to go through actually have given me, um, the ability to be a great friend, um, better father, better husband now. And, um, a guide that uh, can really help other people to experience the, the real depths of love and live life <clears throat> out of that identity of a person who's loved by God, not out of what do I need to do to get love from somebody else. And, you know, that's, that's been the, the transformation in, in, in my life as I've kind of looked back over these 10 years. I think that's amazing, you know, because when, once you take this journey, it's, you're right. It's about, you feel the love because you've connected mm-hmm. to, you know, your, your, your love or, you're divine or you connected to God and that there is an abundance of love and that there's enough for everybody. There's yes. an abundance for everybody. And that you, the goal now becomes you helping people connecting to their abundance of love versus trying to extract love from them and give yeah. it to you. Right. You don't even, you don't even want to receive the love. You want them to connect to their own, to their own, you know, abundance. And then that way, they live the best life. And then you have a very healthy relationship. If you have two people that, that are, are expanding and learning this and understand there is abundance, then that's how you, that's how you get into a healthy relationship. <laughs> no, no, amen on, on that. And, and uh, you know, and my, my wife and I, we just agreed that um, we were, when we met that we were going to be spiritual partners and that our relationship was going to be about, um, holding space for each other, being able to be transparent and supporting each other in growth. And that's, that's been, um, I mean, that's been, that's just been a wonderful, uh, wonderful experience. Um, I love that you said, um, finding out that there's enough because, uh, it just reminded me of a, of a story, um, in that I had a really powerful experience that was, um, right in the middle of all of, all of the most, um, of just breaking out and, um, being single again and just, just being in terrible pain. I remember feeling how horrible I felt I had an insomnia and all the whole thing that goes with breaking out of, um, pieces. So, you know, I was, 
it was, it was tough. Um, and so, you know, I encourage everybody, you're, you know, getting out's not easy. There's a lot, there's, there's a pain, but there's a blue sky on the other side of the clouds. But I just remember I was, um, I was on a bike ride this one day and, and again, I, I read the Bible and there's this, there's a story. It's where Jesus feeds um, thousands of people just with, um, you know, couple pieces of bread and, and there's a fish and he ends up feeding like 5,000 people. And this isn't the gospel of John. And, and, and there's a text and I'd read it dozens of times. Um, it's in John six, but in this particular version, because Matthew, Mark and Luke also have the same story, but in John's story, it says that um, everybody that was there ate as much as they wanted to. It wasn't like, oh, here's a little piece of bread and a fish. It's like there was just, and then there was tons left over. And to me, that was that, um, ultimate expression of there is enough, you know, the, the, there is enough love. And one of the biggest dangers of being in toxic relationships, as I said at the beginning, is like your life gets small. We have this scarcity mentality and it's like love is like a pizza. And so if somebody gets seven slices, I only get one slice when in fact it's the complete opposite. Love is inexhaustible. And we can take this abundance mentality and realize it's not only as, um, is there enough for us? I mean, there's enough for you. There's enough for everybody listening here. And matter of fact, there's enough for even people that haven't been born that are going to be born a million years from now. There's enough period. There's as much as we want. And that's, uh, uh, to me, that's that, that, that encounter in that dark time in my own life that there's enough that was like, okay, I'm going to get through this. It's going to take, you know, it takes a while and takes a lot of, um, work and decompressing, but there's enough. God's enough for me. God's enough for everybody else. And so I'm just going to open myself up. And like I said, today, I'm still like, am I still willing to open myself up even more for God's abundance? Yeah. And it just gets bigger and bigger. And it's, it's a journey throughout your whole, your whole life, which is kind of what I think this is all about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, how can people come find you? I think that your work is amazing. And just doing this podcast with you, I've learned a lot. And I'm excited to go back and listen to the episode now because there's so much here that I was like, oh, wow, that's really good. And I'm taking notes. No. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for the opportunity. Yeah, you, um, if, if people are interested in the, in the Centering Prayer Discipline, I do have a book coming out, um, uh, Centering Prayer, uh, How Sitting Quietly in God's Presence Can uh, Change Your Life. That'll be out in September of 2021. You can go to um, centeringprayerbook.com. And if you put your email in, I can, I'll send you information and some videos on how to do centering prayer. And then I'll send you an update. I'm not a, I'm not a spammer, but that would, that'll give, give my email and I'll send you some information. Let you know when the book's out. If you're interested in my coaching, uh, probably the easiest place to check out would be uh, Dr. Brian Russell coaching.com. Uh, uh, that'll send you to my coaching website. Um, and then, you know, YouTube, um, I have a channel that has both academic stuff. I teach biblical studies, but also have a lot of these spiritual practices there. And you can just look up on YouTube, um, um, deep dive spirituality with, uh, with Brian Russell. And you'll find that, um, I think pretty easily, but thank you so much, Megan. This has been a real privilege and I'm just honored to be your guest today. You're so welcome. I'll be sure to put everything in the show notes as well as, as tag you and everything. So people can go directly to you, but thank you again for coming here to the secret garden and uh, hopefully you'll come back. No, anytime. And, and I'm grateful for the, the work that's, that you've done in your own life and how you're helping other people. And obviously that's what our world needs. And I'm so grateful to, again, have met you today. And so thank you again. It's my pleasure. 
Thank you again, Dr. Brian Russell, for joining me in The Secret Garden. For those of you who would like to find out more about uh, Dr. Russell, please uh, click on the links below to um, his information. For those of you new to my podcast, you can come find me on YouTube at The Divine Self or on Facebook and Twitter at The Divine Self. On next week's episode, I have Gunther Mueller joining me. Until next time, have a good day. Thank you.